something mode. You're in win now mode. That was Ryan, not you. I got to get started now. Welcome to Beerfield, my alcoholics. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two P's. As always, joined by at Beerfield Theory at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. Gentlemen, I use that term very loosely. That was very very loose. How are we doing? Lost one. Or, oh my god, I forgot my mic was off. Someone from the disc I lost uh, when I was down in Cape. <laughs> that was who was calling me. <laughs> nice. Uh, you just like keep three hours it. away. I'm like, I'm gonna be like, you can just keep you it just at this point. I mean, what the hell or... else I'm gonna do? <laughs> yeah. What'd you lose? My streamline, which ah. is uh nine five negative two one. Gotcha. I was on a heater when I played with you guys, it, but I found a fire or what was it? You found like three discs. <laughs> I found two just out in the open. It was a heat ESP heat and a Thunderbird, I think. And I already carry two Thunderbirds, including in that plastic. And I have a Z-Line Heat, so I didn't really need an ESP one, because I don't throw that disc for a whole heck of a lot. So no, gave those away, but still pretty cool. Uh, somebody did find my Heat, by the way. I told you that, I think. I think, I think so, yes. So um, I had thrown that one into a pond, and somebody apparently fished it out. Nice. nice. Like two days after I lost it, which is really rare. Yeah, I don't know... I think when I lost my streamline, it was like embedded in a bunch of webs. Now it's just like, fuck this. Yeah. Like I'm drenched in sweat. It's 90 degrees. Didn't want to go find it. I was like, I am not going to go this. I'm not searching this hard for this, for this one disc. And then I went and bought a uh, lucid plastic river because I really want Dude, I love a high glide. I really want a high glide uh, a fairway driver. I'm like, well, that's why I bought the Crave. But if that thing doesn't break in a little nicer for me, I'll be getting river. Anyway, um, we are going to talk the latest from around training camp. We are going to go into some questions from around the internet, get into some either ors, going to talk about some things that I perceived as bad takes. I think you guys will too, but I really want to get into why it's a bad take. Because on the surface, it might seem fine, but why we think they're bad takes, you know, in... Also, keep in mind that that you know, just because we think it's a bad take doesn't necessarily mean it. It's going to end up being a bad take. Nobody knows dick about shit this time of the year, but <laughs> no, no, we all like about shit. we all like to pretend we do. So uh, we're gonna drink some beer and we're gonna have a good time. Before we do that, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. I think is what the kids say nowadays on YouTube. Uh, follow on Spotify. Leave a review. Uh, we may have had some in the last three years. I don't know. We don't really check. I haven't read them. So leave the three-star review we deserve, please. <laughs> three most, star review. most people ask for, five star, ask for five stars, but I'm shooting for mediocrity. So make sure you uh, rate that accordingly. And without further ado, we're drinking some beer. Oh, uh, I give our Twitter handle. Uh, Beerfield is the Twitter handle. Beerfield Podcast, wherever you get your your uh, audio streams, which is most likely where you're listening to this anyway. What's fueling beer fueled?
Uh, Dan, you want to start? Yeah. All right. So I picked this bottle up when I was down in Cape. I, I was uh, telling Hopper about this because I was excited when I actually I got a chance to get it. So I was doing a tap takeover at one of the sports bars in Cape, Missouri, and they did their own hand pick, and they did a hand picked Jefferson Reserve Age and Pritchett Hills uh, Cabernet Cast Barrels. Or, um, sorry, uh, it finished. And it, it's their single barrel. I had a little small sample of it when I was at the bar last week. So I will give my thoughts on this a little bit later. Ryan? I have Fear Movie Lions by Stone Brewery. And what better way to bring do a Lions beer to bring in Hard Knocks? It's a hazy double IPA. It comes in at 8.5%. So nice. I'll let you know how it is. It's my favorite time of the year, guys. Uh, they're starting to hit shelves. It, too it, soon. Tis the, it is not too soon. They're starting to hit shelves. It is the season. I'm drinking the granddaddy of them all. I have a Paul Honor Oktoberfest. This is Mars in style. So a um, couple things to keep in mind with Oktoberfest. Uh, really, there's two beers that operate under the guise of Oktoberfest. There's Fest beers. There's Marzins. I believe, if I remember, I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to go off memory. That the Marzen is the breadier, toastier, maltier of the two. The Fest beer is designed to be lighter, more drinkable, kind of tone down those flavors, be a little bit more crushable. So Marzen's the more flavor ding, of the ding, two. Ding, ding. This is the Marzen style. Fest beer, a little bit more crushable. Um, another thing that I want to note about this when you guys drink these, uh, or really as the fall comes around, any maltier beer. Um, we're raised in our drinking age early to get your beer in a frosty mug or piping ice cold. And that actually kills a lot of your flavors, especially with multi-German beers. You want to drink them um, upwards of 40 degrees, really around the 45 degree mark. Um, even lagers. What that's going to do is that's going to bring those multi notes out when they're cold. Those get toned down, especially when if you're drinking a higher proof beer like a Doppelbach, that's going to make it more alcoholic. It's going to taste a little bit hotter. You want those to warm up and let that malt character come out to get the full idea of the beer. You do not want to drink those ice cold like it's an IPA. So just something to keep in mind. That being said, this one was about two hours ago, so it's probably right in the sweet spot of that high Ooh. 40s. So anyway, let's go ahead and get us some news from around camp, shall we? Let's All right, we're going to start off with the drop because I feel like it needs a transition. News. All right. Um, Cliff Kingsbury. Ten used to be impressed with, you know, Benjamin. This is where we do a little bit of hype. He's lining up in the slot, using them all over the place. We know James Conner does not demand a full workload. Um, this is the third week in a row that there's been some serious, you know, Benjamin hype. Um, are we buying in to, you know, Benjamin now and kind of where we would have like Naeem Hines in years past in a pass catching role that's also going to get some run is the primary back that spells James Conner. Yes. For sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm buying the hype on this one from a well known source that I know. He says that he is the new Chase Edmonds of this offense right now. I've also seen that. So I think that 
You know, you know, Benjamin, there's a lot of hype that comes out, and then you'll see another report that the hype's like, well, they're running with the second teamers. They're running with the third teamers. They're, they're doing it against the third team defense. He looks explosive, but he's playing against third stringers. You know, Benjamin, um, you know, he's been doing it with the first team. He's been rotating it with the first team, yeah, and it's been nothing but good reports about him um, now from multiple sources. That is when you buy the hype on a player. So, if you're in drafts right now, I'd definitely take him with one of the last picks. And then in, in Dynasty, if he's on your waiver wire, go grab him and stash him for now. Uh, I guess I should have pulled up the ADP, huh? He is 1506. He's basically down. free. Basically free. Yeah. Take so, it. Expect that to come up, but even if he went into the you know high double digit rounds, I'm still okay with that. I mean, I don't expect it to go up much more than Where the that? 12th or 13th. I mean, maybe once we get some more training camp. Hype and we see some actual preseason games and we see who he runs with. Yeah. yeah, but you should have always, everyone should have always been on, been in on one of these other backups behind James Conner. You just take your shots in the dark and they're all free, which is the best part. And then you go about it that way. Indeed. All right. Texans acquired Adam Shaheen with a 2023 seventh round pick for a 2023 sixth round pick. Um, Brevin Jordan, we've talked about him on the show, is one of those late-round sleeper tight ends that has the potential to finish as a, a mid-tight end one on a Houston offense that figures to be just okay. Um, well, the defense that's going to be bad, they're in need of pass catchers. Um, tight ends did have a, a pretty decent role in Lovey Smith's, on Lovey Smith's Bears teams. Um, does Adam Shaheen pour any water on this, or is this just a, a depth grab? I think it's more of a depth grab just because it's a sixth round pick. You're not trading anything for it, so it's no. like a nothing. You're not losing anything. You're not gaining anything. I'm with you. Would, sorry, Dan. That's the second time, maybe third time I've uh, interrupted you now. It's all payback for all the times I've done the same. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> I mean, it is the right answer. I mean, I don't right. think anyone truly care about Adam Sheen at this point. And if Brevin Jordan still can't break out with Adam Shaheen, then we have nothing to care about. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ramstein Sean Mc- signed Sean McVay to a cu- currently undisclosed contract extension. So deserved. Good for them. Yeah. Should put the rumors of him going to TV or like dude, this is a coach that's still in his 30s. Like, and you're predicting retirement or going to TV when he's on the top of his game. He ain't doing it. He's not LeBron yet. No. <laughs> he's he's not going to Ray Lewis this. No. The and I read that the GM's also not far behind getting his extension, too. They're waiting till Les Snead gets it to officially announce it. So, yeah. Uh, you know, as much as I hate the owner, Snead's done a good job here um, since they've gone to, to L.A. building a, a perennial championship contender. They've done it without a lot of draft capital. They've done it through trades. They've, they've managed to pay their guys and manage the cap well. So Snead's done a, a good job, as has McVeigh. The Athletics, Mark Caboli, sorry if I mispronounced that. Mark, I'm sure you're listening, writes that the Steelers <laughs> would like to lighten Najee Harris's workload in some capacity. Now, more specifically, running back coach Eddie Faulkner has said that he wants Harris to see seven fewer snaps a game. That's basically one series. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's like specifically seven snaps. It's, re- it's a really oddly specific number, I think. <laughs> the way I'm translating that is like one fewer series a game. You're not. There might be two this. for this offense for how many three and outs they might have. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what you need to take away from this, though, is this is why context is important. 
you see that, you might want to fade Najee, and then you see that it's seven snaps a game. And when you have a primary back like that, that's not seven touches. It is seven snaps. So it's probably not like they have any actuals. They don't have any other competitive backups. No. I mean, reports out of Pittsburgh has been pretty bad amongst the offense as a whole, especially the quarterbacks. But sure. It's uh, I'm not that I'm not super high on Najee for this year in redraft because of it. But I'm not either. Well, yeah, same here. Not because of that I, one. No, it's because I don't trust the offense. This I don't want to say that I'm not. I'm going to say that I don't have him elite tier. He still gets bell cow workload. He gets pass catching ability, even if he's not efficient. I still like Najee um, in kind of that back into the first, early second, where we've seen guys like Nick Chubb go in years past. Uh, just because of the volume and the workload I think he gets and the passing work I think he gets, but I'm with it. You don't need to take him in as a top five pick or anything. Yeah, yeah. right now, Barbie 5, 107. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's about half around too high for me. Yeah. All right, Dallas signed kicker Brett Maher to a one-year deal. Just worth noting that Brett Maher is the kicker in Dallas because in your redraft leagues, Kickers matter. Kickers matter in some dynasty leagues too, and Dallas still figures to score points. I know in one league where it matters. Me too. Yeah, he got a big two leagues, three leagues. Mm-hmm. Good friend. Dance kicker. That's right. And what's that? Dance kicker got an extension too. He did. Uh, we can just skip to that. Justin Tucker, four year deal worth twenty four million. So it's extension it's lights. He deserves more. <laughs> for the goat keep him around for a little bit still the best kicker in the league and that's kicker talk kansas city has been lining juju smith schuster up all over the formation and he states that he is playing the position he always wanted to play um while he was in pittsburgh getting moved so, around getting lined up getting treated like a one as he should, should be. be oh yeah um, absolutely he's he's their flanker he's still he, a value. he is there he's their antonio brown he is their Amari Cooper. Like he should be in line if he stays healthy. He's gonna pay off on that eighth run ADP. I mean, it's it's such an easy thing to smash. Remember Debo Samuel from last year in that eighth round ADP? Oh my god, that was beautiful. Yep. That, yeah. Very cheap. This is and he won't have to get handoffs so he can actually keep catching passes. Yeah, this is somebody that can pay <laughs> off on that. It's a change of scenery. We know Juju's talented. As long as he's healthy, he's gonna get used in a good offense. So, yeah. Seattle quarterback watch Drew Locke, clearly the better quarterback in recent mock games. Seahawks training camp. Um, he was playing with the second string offense against the first team defense. Geno Smith struggled first team offense against the second team defense. So Locke doing more with less against the better competition. However, Geno Smith going to draw the first preseason start. Just an update on that for your super flex leagues. And because I'm a Drew Locke stand. <laughs> it's the only reason why he's in the notes. Trillin. So out of those, which, which receivers would you rather have if it's Drew Locke? Would, yeah, you would, rather go Tyler, would you rather go Tyler Locker or still go DK Metcalf? Still go DK Metcalf. Yeah. Cortland Sutton. You look at it, Cortland Sutton with Drew Locke versus Cortland Sutton with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Yeah. That's that's how I draw that up. Cortland Sutton paid off on his ADP when Drew Locke played. Uh, and they're still going to have to throw the football fairly. They are. Too, a good amount. So. So, uh, d- 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 whereas, you know, Judy kind of compares to Lockett nicely. We'll get to Judy here a little bit later in the show. But 
Um, you know, people hated when Drew Locke started and loved when Teddy started when Judy was in. So, I mean, there's your, your answer right there. Some nice parallels between the Broncos receivers and the Seahawks receivers. It's not just my answer. It's, an, it's the answer for the people. Yeah. <laughs> for the people. For the people. Yeah. <laughs> for the people. For the person. For the person. Yeah. For the person. Thanks, Tra- Mom, for watching. <laughs> <laughs> Traylon Burks is currently practicing with the second and third team offense and has been lining up wrong, not running through his routes. Uh, Woods, Nick Westbrook, Ikean, and Kyle Phillips run with the ones. Water on Traylon Burks for this year, at least for the beginning of this year. I mean, he's still he's he's still the only true X receiver on this. Like, he may not start the first couple weeks for whatever godforsaken reason, but I mean, you shouldn't be drafting him that high to begin with. And redraft, I might almost be willing to sit out. That's. Wait till someone you know mistakenly somebody's drops gonna get frustrated him with him, him and drop and drops him. Nick Westbrook, I'm not worried about sticking. He had a chance last year and he didn't really run with it. Um, it's kind of like Nico Collins down there in Houston. I see those two a lot of the same as they're gonna get opportunity and they're gonna be fine. But I don't think either one of them is gonna grab the stranglehold that you would expect them to grab. Um, Kyle Phillips, I like that type of player, but not the way that Tennessee runs their offense. So, you know, Woods, I think, is is going to have it, but I think there's going to be opportunity for Burks if he can get it going. We'll keep watching it throughout training camp right now. The way it stands doesn't look great. And, you know, it's even if you still like him, you can still buy the dip because he's yeah. going to drop. And, he will. you know, the 10th round plus uh, Traylon Burks, I have no problem with that. Well, and remember, this is a, a instant gratification league, too. So if you believe in him and he does have a bad rookie year, you know, yeah, yeah. And you, you definitely, all, just, you you know, definitely buy the dip then. I mean, oh, right yeah. now he's wide receiver fifty. You know, going in the eleventh round. So again, it's there's very little risk into this, and I think there's still payoff to this. There's no one that's built like him on this team. Woods is you know coming off of his remarkable return from his you know major knee injury, and he's over thirty. Like it might be Woods to start, and you see Burks just slowly you know, build himself into that role. I'm very cautious on Burks doing a lot meaningful this year, but I'm going to keep watching throughout camp. And, you know, that that is an opinion that is not in concrete yet. Yeah. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins activated from the pup. Gus Edwards officially doubtful for week one. Now, what that means to the moon. To the moon is J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins to the moon. But pay attention throughout preseason and see who looks like they're going to jump up and take that RB2 spot. Probably Mike Davis. does matter in this offense. It could be Mike Davis. It could be Tyler Beatty. So could be Justice Hill, who's had some good notes at a camp, too. So make It might be Chris Hopper or Ryan Miner. Like, it doesn't Uh, matter. Y'all are going to be efficient runners scoring touchdowns. My knees are shot. (laughs) So... I'll just run to the sideline. I am 220, but... (laughs) Built a little different than an NFL running back. Yeah. 5'11", 220 is prototypical NFL running back size. I mean, you are Javonta Williams. You I, are. I, like, me and Javonta Williams are the same yeah, size. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are built from the I same basically mold. basically have the body of a pro athlete. <laughs> <laughs> that's what That's what I read. Uh, Baltimore, well, I already did that. Uh, another running back 
uh, getting some love, and we thought that there was going to be some Darwin Thompson to this pick, but it's kind of the same thing with Eno Benjamin. Running with the ones, a lot of buzzes and how they're moving him around. Um, Isaiah Pacheco in, in Kansas City. We know they're not happy with Clyde, and they're looking for other, look, giving other options a real look, not saying that Clyde's lost his job, but they're giving other options a real look, and all we've heard out of camp so far is Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco. He's a hard runner. He catches the ball well. The coaching staff seems to really like him, and he's playing with the ones in training camp. And he's basically, getting up there. And he's basically and free. he's still basically free. Now, he is someone you got to watch. Um, I expect his side. I mean, people are still bonding the table to draft the KC running back. So I wouldn't be surprised if this Pacheco news continues to buzz the way that it has. If you're last early, week or two, though. he's gonna be he's gonna move up, and I wouldn't be surprised if he reaches r- right around that tenth round range. Yeah, you know people are drafting early, but you know right now all the hype's still on on Clyde, and everything I see is still on on Clyde. And, and you know, look, this is a guy with four three seven speed that. Has a BMI that checks the box at 31.0. He's 5'10, 216. He's got good running back size. Um, you know, everything on him really checks out. So, um, you know, productivity wasn't necessarily there playing for Rutgers, but from an athletic standpoint, really good. So, just, all he needs is a chance. All he needs is a chance, and he might get it in this offense. He doesn't die. Uh... It doesn't need to do too much to be, you know, to pay off on his value. Yeah, I have a feeling next week we'll see an ADP on him too, because I, I don't see anything right now. He's so. he is right now fourteen oh two. Oh, so two. Yep, there it is. Just as I scrolled up, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just got to go a little bit longer, Ryan. That's all. You got to just go a little bit further. I'm working on it. <laughs> Within due time. Uh, Bears wide receiver room is in shambles. David Moore carted off. Well, it was in shambles before training camp started. And then they've lost Byron <laughs> Pringle to a quad and kill Harry to a high ankle sprain. And David Moore carted off. Season might be over. Uh, Velas Jones and Darnell Mooney right <laughs> right now look like they're the ones. Who the fuck else is like, who's uh, available? There's got to be people. Equinemia St. Like Brown. Agents. Oh, that's right. I, that's right. I, I've been seeing buzz about him now, but. That buzz is because people ahead of them got hurt. <laughs> Let's go look at that depth chart real quick. Oh, it's yeah. I I you ready for the oh uh, Dante Pettis is there. That's right. Oh, your favorite guy. Yeah, Dante Pettis is there. Uh, let's see, Darnell Mooney. These are the healthy ones. Darnell Mooney, Valus Jones, Daz Newsome, who I've seen some stuff about. Yeah, uh, Tajay Sharp. Jesus, it's so bad. Oh, and ESB, Dante Pettis. Mooney and Kometa are about to see like a combined. Oh, my God. 50% target shit between the two. (laughs) That's going to be I-40. It's going to be like mid-40s for them. There's a lot of name recognition there. Tajay Sharp, I didn't even know, was still in the league. I said the same thing about ESB. (laughs) Like... I thought he was gone too. ESB. I didn't know CSB till uh, was sleeper had him on like as like one of the top waiver ads. <laughs> Oof. 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 That's rough. Yeah. All right. Want to talk some bad takes? Yeah. All I right. love uh, shit right. on bad takes. 
This three were all pulled off, pulled off the internet right before we started. 12-man PPR league. Someone tried to talk me out of taking Henry over Jonathan Taylor. I feel Henry is the safest pick, and JT is more likely to pull a CMC. Let's Yikes. talk about why this is a bad take. This is what happens. I want to turn these into something productive. I don't just want to shit on it. That's fair. This is what happens when you overthink it. This is what happens when you start trying to predict injuries and overthinking what's going to happen. Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry are very similar players. Derrick Henry is a... Th- he's 30 now, I think, right? No, I think he's 27. 29. 29. He's 29. 29. So oh, wow. he's approaching it. Um, that was way up. Big back, a little bit up there in age, coming off of a foot injury. I think people forget that he's coming off that late season foot injury. And yes, he he did return. I think he did. It was a while ago. He did return, but you got to be careful with that. Tennessee's offense is not expected to be this, this juggernaut. They're going to be riding a 29 year old back coming off of a foot injury. Jonathan Taylor is going to have more room to work, going to be less relied upon. This to me is just 100% what happens when you overthink a situation. I built, you know, Henry. Yes. If he's healthy, he has good floor. I'm, a little more concerned about the foot injury than most and his ability to come back from that all the way and not have that creep up and be a problem, especially after multiple years of high usage as he gets up there in, in age. You know, you don't want to get caught on the wrong side of that, in my opinion. I think what bothers me the most is it's it's afterwards when he says JT is more likely to pull a CMC. You're like predicting you, injuries. First off, first off, all running backs who have heavy usage in their offense are going to be injury prone to some extent. They're 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 more subject to just more unnecessary hits. And backs who are built like Jonathan Taylor, who built, who built like Derrick Henry, are going to take those unnecessary hits as they grind them up the middle. Especially if they're a team that's actually moving and they get down to the red zone, you get to see those more those in between the guards and tackled runs. So we need to really kill the stigma that uh, because a player has two unrelated injuries, it's all of a sudden this massively injury-prone player, especially with running backs, especially in a redraft. You have to uh, you have to understand that at least 35-plus percent of these top backs are likely to miss games. If that more than two or three, some will miss half the season, some will miss the full season. So it just – Henry and JT – I'll take the better offense in JT. I still want uh I still want CMC over both. I want my upside with my running backs who have heavy usage where the where the injury chances are almost equal because they get heavy, heavy workloads. Yeah, and plus you look at like uh Indianapolis offense, they have a better offensive line. They got more weapons around them, a better quarterback. You look at Tennessee, their offensive line actually took a downgrade from what I read. And I saw it somewhere else. I forget where I saw it. They're like ranked like bottom 20s as an offensive line. And eventually you have to think that, like Hopper said, like this foot injury, you like, you'll bring it up or I bring it up to people and they're like, well, that's like 100%, you know, uh, heal rate. He should be fine. But it's like, you know, you also have to look at that option though because you never know what's going to happen. Someone can start stepping on it, get through that line. He's going to eventually start taking those unnecessary hits that he's going to want to take. It's just the fact that he's a massive, massive human being, too, that 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 becomes a little bit more concerning. So, yeah. And the offense just lost A.J. Brown. 
The offense got objectively worse, will score less points. And when you have a running back who, who does not make a living off of catch and catch it or off of catching passes, mm-hmm. and you have to rely on those touchdowns, when your offense gets that much worse and you lower your chances of seeing those red zone trips, he's one of the easiest high first round fades. One of the easiest. Just let somebody else take that chance. If you're a year early on him, fine. And that's not going to say he's not a top five back, but you know, all things equal, you're trying to predict a significant injury for Jonathan Taylor and not predicting it for Derrick Henry. When Jonathan Taylor doesn't have quite the same mileage on him is the younger back playing on the better offense. It doesn't have the recent foot injury. You're predicting in the wrong area. And if you don't predict injuries, then JT is the clear option because he has pass catching upside, which Derrick Henry does not have. So this is just a case. The big takeaway here, the big lesson is this is what happens when you start to overthink things. Don't overthink it in the early rounds. Yeah. Right. It's, All right. And don't and don't just assume that a player is going to get it's going to yeah, it's just it's it's very lazy. Yep. Yeah. Take. All right. Next one. Someone asked who is a sleeper tight end and the answer was Taysom Hill. I Oh this, god no. This is quotes, not me saying it. Person that made this post said it. I think this is an amazing pick because if Winston goes down, Hill is still your tight end and you can grab him as your second tight end. Lots For one of, week, and then he'll and lose. He'll his, be a QB. All right, he'll be a QB. Tank. So, so yeah. let's play with this a couple different ways here. First thing, Taysom Hill is not the backup quarterback in New Orleans, and there's a reason for that. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. They're selling to Andy Dalton. If Jameis Winston goes down, it's not Taysom Hill playing quarterback. That's your first thing. Second off, once again, you get into the issue of predicting injuries for people that aren't traditionally injury prone. Yes, Jameis tweaked his foot. He tore some knee ligaments. That happens to almost damn near everybody. Um, He's not a mobile quarterback, though. So you're not as concerned about that if it had been a guy like Dak, if it had been a guy like Lamar Jackson, because Jameis isn't a mobile quarterback. Second thing here, don't draft a second tight end that needs an injury. We tell... uh, we tell you in one tight end leagues to wait and draft two guys that have upside and see what hits and churn the other one. But, and we've said that for years, you don't want to draft somebody in that in one of those two spots that needs an injury to succeed. You want to draft somebody that's on an offense that has the opportunity to succeed without an injury happen and hedge your bets by taking two of those types of guys. You don't do it in your draft based on somebody needing to get hurt at the tight end position. No, you're, you're just wasting a roster spot at that point. And you're wasting a draft. Pick. Be, yeah. Yeah. It's a, too. it's a bad, it's just, there's, there's <laughs> That's like indefensible. The reasoning behind this is Ron. The, the whole outline, like there is, and there's very little leagues, like, you know, you know, two tight end leagues. We like, we can't count this. Cause obviously you have to start two, but, like even tight end premium leagues, there's such a small group of tight ends that actually reap the true benefits mm-hmm. of a tight end premium league. Uh, Taysom Hill would not be one of them. No, be far from it. Just 
there's no like he should just remove him from your platform. You don't have the ability to, but reach out. You're like, Tyler, I don't want him here anymore. Also, never in premium <laughs> or not, zero points is zero points. Also, never mind the fact that if you were playing tight end or if you were to play quarterback, platformers are going to adjust that really quick. Yeah, one week. Exactly. Like, some maybe two, and some may some may hybrid them, which would be yeah, asinine. But all right, last one: drafting Elijah Moore. Players of bad quarterbacks will not help you win championships because of the bad quarterback play. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So, couple things here. First one: Allen Robinson in Jacksonville, Brandon Cooks last year in Houston. Um. Jameis Winston a couple years ago in Tampa Bay. With Elijah Moore last year. Elijah Moore last year. <laughs> yeah. Not, just, not Jameis Winston. Not Jameis Winston, but, you know, that would have been Chris Godwin and Mike Evans with Jameis right. Winston. Um, we've seen several guys take off with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, love your Fitz, but you weren't elite. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we saw, we've seen this time and time again where this is just, wrong even if you don't believe in zach wilson bad quarterbacks will support at least a wide receiver two and potentially somebody with flex value as well why because if you got a bad quarterback you're playing from behind and what happens when you play from behind you throw the ball or you're losing games late you get soft coverage and you pick that up in garbage time alan hearns (laughs) wink wink Wink, wink, nudge, nudge with Blake Portals. So, you know, this is just an absolutely bad take because Elijah Moore is going in that Juju Smith-Schuster range and is a guy that can outperform ADP. Don't not take somebody that figures to see a significant volume just because they're on a bad offense or you don't like the QB play because that person's likely, one, to have less competition for targets, two, to be in a positive game script for a pass catcher more often than not. And three, be in a positive game script for a pass catcher more often than not. I didn't really have a three, so I just repeated two twice. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fight club line. Yeah, it's just... Uh, like, I, I'm trying to understand where he's coming from. Like you can, if someone wants to say, I'm going to, you know, fade, you know, playmakers and bad offenses because of so-and-so reason that that's a pretty common thing, but to completely write off players because they have quote unquote, you know, bad QBs is a, you're just, it's a very on, it's not a complete statement. The offense isn't solely based around the QB and you have to look at the contents of the talent, the player as well. And then who's calling plays and what the volume is going to look like. So, I understand, you know, fading wide receiver twos and threes. But if you know that if you've seen a receiver who has been productive, regardless of his quarterback, we'll talk about Elijah Moore. I guess he probably he did. It was three. He had three different quarterbacks and go over 20 points in those games. Yeah. Before he got hurt. If yeah. you if you you know, like there's no reason to just pass him over. Because you think Zach Wilson sucks, mm-hmm. like it's just it's it's objectively just asinine. Bad Guess advice. What? Somebody Atlanta is going to be in a hot waiver claim at some point this offseason. Oh yeah, or this season, it's going to happen. 
Somebody in Detroit is going to help somebody make the playoffs. Somebody in Chicago is going to emerge and be a week-to-week starter. So does this mean that he only drafts receivers with good quarterbacks? Maybe, but uh, then you're really picking from... Yeah, here's the thing. How right? did the Buffalo receivers do outside of Stefan Diggs? How did the Green Bay receivers do outside of Devontae Adams? Well, How did the Kansas City receivers do outside of uh Tyreek Hill? Uh, Tyreek Hill. Tyree Kill. Like tell me, like make it make sense. Receivers. And so what then? Uh, Kirk Cousins gets shit on constantly. Are you gonna pass on Jeff Jefferson? Are you passing no. on Adam Thielen? Because uh <laughs> Jefferson's upside is the number one overall receiver, and, and most people are betting on that. Here's the thing, right? Elijah Moore is an eighth-round pick right now. These are the closest wide receivers to him. Would you rather have Elijah Moore in the eighth round? Now we talk about the eighth round a lot. Would you rather have Elijah Moore or Cordero Patterson? Pretty obvious, Scott. Yeah. Elijah Moore or Brandon I- or. or Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Moore, Robert Woods. Those are likely closer. Elijah I Moore. I still take Elijah Moore over. Yeah. Maybe not over Woods. Woods Woods is close. Bateman's right there, too, which is probably yeah. also close. But, you know, you're going to skip on him, and then you're going to drop down to the next two. So you would rather not take Elijah Moore. You'd rather drop down to uh, Alan Lazard. He's got Aaron Rodgers. That's an elite quarterback. It's elite quarterback. That means he's got to be good. Yeah, he has to be. So no one I, ever I've played this game before. I mean, that, that that's and like saying, thing. like, you know, Carson Wentz is bad for Terry McLaurin and Terry McLaurin's a fourth round pick. And here's the you thing. Know, I, I, he did it with Taylor Heineke. Yeah. yeah. And a banged up Alex Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick for like a day. Guess what? Going ahead of him right now. Amari Cooper. Who the fuck's throwing Amari Cooper the football? It, it won't be Watson. Or Gabe Davis. <laughs> I hope not, at least. I'm sorry. I love Gabe Davis. I'm a huge Gabe Davis fan. I was on. Sleeper Gabe Davis in the drafts. If you go you back were. and listen to that draft class, I love I've loved Gabe Davis since before he was drafted. Hipster Gabe Davis lover over here. I would not Thank take you. Gabe Davis over Elijah Moore. There's a lot of people that will. Because of the quarterback. And and because of, you know, gut feeling. But Yeah. I'm not taking Hunter Renfro in the sixth over Elijah Moore, and I'm a huge Hunter Renfro fan. I love that type of player. I talk about it every freaking week how I like that top type of player and want him on my <laughs> roster. You absolutely right? do. Not in the, I'd take Elijah Moore over Hunter Renfro. Like, and Hunter Renfro's going to the six, and Derek Carr's not even a good quarterback. You can't just say, I'm quarterback scouting. I'm not taking the number one wide receiver on that team because the quarterback's bad. You know this person's taking Sky Moore over like everybody. Probably. Oh, yeah. He's got that uh, one hype video. It's got Mahomes. Drafting Rondale Moore because they're going to use him finally to his potential and Kyler Murray's his quarterback over He's going to reach on Julio Jones in like the fifth. Hi, <laughs> Julio. I know it. I know that name. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Right. Gotta happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, some either ors. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Man, we'll do a beer review about halfway through this. How about that? Okay. Either or, because I think this one's going to be more of a discussion than the last two. Our boy Josh Larkey, we still need to get back on the show. <laughs> right now, he's out spear, spearing he's, and exotic fishes. 
in the Amazon right now. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you would have no, been on invasive the show, carp. He's a world savior, not. <laughs> that's right. He's, he's spearing, killing. That's he's right. That's spearing right. invasive carp that are trying to take invasive, over the Amazon yeah. River, <laughs> fighting off crocodiles with his bare hands. Do uh, do's doing the Lord's work right now. Would you rather have a 17 point per game player in the fourth round or 12 point per game player in the 14th round? Assuming it's a running back or wide receiver. I'm going to pause there, and I did pull some numbers on this one. I'm going to pause did, there yeah, and I get did your the same thing. Because I did pull numbers on this. And I voted one way, and then when I looked at the numbers, I changed my answer. It's uh, So when I pulled up his tweet, like the discussions were... Uh, like they were all over the place. A lot of people are going to be, you know, basing it off of value, which I think is where a lot of us want to go to because value based uh-huh. drafting is a good way to win or a good way to build contenders. And you're wrong if you do it that way. Yes. Because I went back and pulled this. It's ugly. And the way I framed the question when I quote tweeted it was would you rather have a wide receiver one. Would you rather have a top seven player at their position in the fourth, in the round. fourth round or a, a barely a flex player in the 14th round? Yeah, because you're basic. Yeah. And that's where things really start to change. Yeah. And first off, the answer is I want both. But yes, the answer is you want both. Yes. yes. But C. if yeah. given the option, C. <laughs> if given the option. Ryan, what's your take on this? I really just take the like. It's easy to say like I really just take both because you can take both, but I really just take the dart throw at the end because if I'm gonna put in any valuable draft capital, which I always feel like those first seven rounds can be like if someone can fall, I don't like doing it. But like when it's in the 14th round, you're you're trying to throw like high upside darts. So okay, that's where I was at first too. So I want to give you these stats, and this is what made me change my mind. Your fourth round picks last year were Mike Evans, Allen Robinson. Daryl Henderson, Miles Gaskin, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, Mike Davis, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper. None of them hit 17 points per game. The closest was Evans at 16.4. Which is a top. You had just a wide receiver one. A-Rob, Gaskin, busted. Woods was 15-2 before he got hurt. Julio was a bust. Uh, Davis was a bust. Thielen was 15-4 before he got hurt. Cooper, 13-5, a little bit of a bust. So the first thing that stuck out to me here is that 17 points per game in the fourth round actually is of value because the guys that were over 17 points per game were Cooper Cup, who, yes, was a value. You sniped him in the mid-rounds last year. Uh, Devontae Adams, who you took early. Debo Samuel, eighth-round pick. Justin Jefferson, who you took early. Jamar Chase, who was in that sixth-eighth-round range. Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Deontay Johnson. Those are the wide receivers that were above 17 points per game. That 17 point per game wide receiver in the fourth round is still value. And that's that's what made me flip to, okay, if I'm going to find value, give me the guy I take in the fourth that gives me first round value or early second round value for a wide receiver that's top seven at the position, like Dan said, versus give me the guy in the 14th that's cracking flex. Your 14th rounders that had 12 plus points last year were Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Gage. Yeah, but if you look at it too, like the one that you say in the fourth round, you got over 17 points. You're looking at 11, 11 misses on that. So you're 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 hoping to hit that one 
Right, but the question isn't round. where am I more likely to find it. It's given the option, would I would rather have the 17-point-per-game value in the fourth round? It's a value question. Or the 12-point-per-game value in the 14th. I would rather use my fourth-round pick and get first-round value out of that first-round pick than use my 14th-round pick and get ninth-round value out of that. So basically, it's this. It's who are you more comfortable? Who are you going to be more comfortable starting each and every week? And who actually has the league-winning upside? Because 17 points per game, is not it's not consistent every year. There are some years where it never happens for wide receivers. And when you look at the 12, and 12 is a really good benchmark because you look at wide receivers, it was a high wide receiver four, and running backs were a high three, low two. You're you're basically rotating these players. You're not playing those those, those players with confidence unless you get into an Amara St. Brown type of situation where where you have injuries, you had a a a a, a slight you know showing of his target volume early on in the season. So when players got hurt. You you pick him back up because he was likely dropped in in between those you know games, and then you ride him off you know into the sunset. That's that's also very rare. And most times, the first player you're drafted in the 14th round is probably the first player that you're cutting. Also, you, you're not cutting your fourth round player, you know, yeah. unless they get hurt. You're and, benching them. Yep. Yeah. And also, the way that most people draft, your fourth round player is going to be your second. At whatever position, right? So you're yeah. looking at RB2 wide receiver 2 value, and you're really getting mid-tier 1 value out of it. Versus you're drafting in the 14th round, you're looking at a late bench guy. Like Dan said, Amon Ross St. Look at the two guys that did it, right? Gage was highly inconsistent. Amon Ross St. Brown was a late-year breakout. Most people cut him before it ever got to that point. Yeah, so he was one Devonta like Freeman push. all over again. Right. <laughs> We so, got a we got a question from the audience. What's up? Um, you want to keep talking about this before we jump into it? No, I, I think them. that that I've really made. I think that my point's there. Like, I want ideally you want both because the the game is you find value, um, you you exceed your draft capital with value, and that's how you win leagues. You find the players that are going to outperform their draft capital. In this case, both positions are outperforming their draft capital, but one's outperforming it at a, I won't say elite level, but a, a very, very good level. The other one's outperforming it at flex level. Give me the guy that's, give me the two wide receiver ones over the wide receiver one and the wide receiver three that may save me from an injury. All right. This is from Anthony. This is a one QB redraft question. Okay. Who are your guys' is f- f- favorite late round QBs to target if you miss on the elite tier? All right, what do we define as late round? Let's establish that first. Let's establish as I want to say I, I think I, I want to put it either at ten, either at eight plus or ten plus. I think in the past we've used, I think in the past we've used eight plus when we've talked about this. It's it's a lot. It's we can do both. We can. We can do a quick highlight on the eighth round, but then we can also spend some time. All right, we'll give you somebody in that tenth round, each range. Um, yeah, I like that. All right, we'll give you an eight to nine and a ten to twelve. Round eight right now for me, it's Tom Brady. He's going at the eight oh six single quarterback full PPR. Um, he has consistently produced. The offense isn't going to change that much with 
with uh, Byron Leftwich over over Bruce Arians. He's going to get Godwin back at some point. Mike Evans, yes, he tweaked his hamstring. He figures to be relatively healthy. The productivity is going to be there for Tom Brady to sit in that mid mid to late QB1 range. He doesn't have the mobility, but as a passer, he hasn't fallen off at all. It's not like Tampa Bay does not have depth. You're dealing with injuries early on in training camp. Um, you know, a lot of tweaks and things like that. Godwin's going to be back earlier than expected. You're kind of playing the long game here. If you have to stream early on, that's fine. Really like Brady in the long run here. He gives you some quarterback one value uh, going in that that uh, mid-eighth round. So that's my pick. Ryan, I'm going to go, go, yeah, go early at it. I'm going right at 802 because I see Dak Prescott, and I'm super oh, high boy. on Dak Prescott I love this Dak year. too. That's a great call. Because I think he's really going to bounce back this year, and he's definitely going to throw it more. And what we saw last year is he didn't really run the ball as much as he has been the past few years, where I think he was getting closer. He had a uh, three or 400 yards, I want to say, over the last few years before last year, where he kind of took that step back as that whole ankle. And I think this year he's going to have to step up more and kind of put more of the offense on his back. He's going to be throwing a lot more. I think he's really going to step up. I think he actually has the opportunity to push again for that QB1 overall. It's not like Dak was bad last year. I mean, he was the quarterback seven. He outperformed Joe Burrow, who a lot of people love this year on a regular. That's because season he basis. had his two strong games in the year. That's that's yeah. the reason why Burrow is being taken where he's being taken. Yes, it is. If we look at Prescott a couple of years before that. He was actually like a league winning type of quarterback. He I was. see him bouncing back as that league t- league winning type of quarterback for you. For me, it's uh, no shocker. Give me the Konami code quarterback. Yeah, he's got an insane Lance. upside. It's it's gonna be Trey Lance. Again, Jalen Hurst was bad at throwing the football last year, and he finished six in points per game because rushing upside in single QB league where you can stream quarterbacks over and over again. If your high bus, high upside guy doesn't pan, you gotta go for that upside. You want to separate yourself with as much value as you can get at the QB position. That's why you pass on that's why you you should pass on Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and even Jalen Hurst to an extent. And then definitely pass on guys like Mahomes just because of the value alone. Mm-hmm. Take the shot on Trey Lance in the ninth round. If you can't get him, the two guys that you guys talked about, Brady and Dak, also fantastic choice in their own right. I shoot for upside of one QB leagues. I, I don't I care about if they bust because I'll go find the next Kirk Cousins to stream. And just keep moving around because I don't want to play the waiver wires. And speaking of Kirk Cousins, let's look at this 10th to 12th 12 range. Because there are th- <laughs> three to four guys here that also, I think, really, really work out. Um, I'm going to take the guy that that I seem to be the only one stumping for. If you guys don't pick up on one of the other two guys that I like, I'll go ahead and throw that out there as well. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 11-10. You look at what Miami's done with that offense. Um, Tua, another year removed from the hip injury. Uh, was very efficient last season. Accuracy super high, um, and really did come along a little bit as the season wore on. Um, you know, my thing with with this is that Tua is put in a position to succeed. Doesn't mean that he absolutely will. No, but he started thirteen games last season. Um, he didn't start them all, and. Towards the end of the year, he was starting to perform a little bit better. And then they've gone out there. They've added. They changed offenses. Should see a little bit more A dot to his game. You add in Tyreek Hill. You add in Cedric Wilson to that. 
you bring in the running game and what should be a better offensive attack, I think it's worth the shot there. If it doesn't pan out, you're kind of in, you're in streaming range, that's fine. But I think Tyreek Hill is going to help this a lot. I think Jalen Waddle is going to be used on a little bit deeper than six yards from the lines of scrim- line of scrimmage. He most definitely, he most definitely will. will. Cedric Wilson is an upgrade over Preston Williams. And then you add that running game in to take some of that pressure off of him. Tua has what it takes to be a highly efficient quarterback in this league. Um, you know, a lot kind of in the way that Russell Wilson has been a highly efficient quarterback where he doesn't need to throw the ball a boatload. He had receivers that he could hit deep and a really, really high touchdown percentage with some rushing floor. That's what Tua Tagovailoa gives you. That's the upside that Tua gives you going late in the 11th round. So I do not hate him there either. Dan? No. All right. All right. All right. I think I know where you're going here. I would go. I would. I, I will give this slide now to Justin Fields. The That's what I wanted to do, too. Thank God I let you go first. Cause I was yeah. Like, cause I was gonna you can him, talk about like, him. But like, if you want your discount, economic quarterback, just go Justin Fields. Your discount. Uh, Kirk, Kirk, discount Trey Lance. Your discount. Literally every economic. Exactly. For him. No. <laughs> Dude, you nailed that one right on the head. It's yeah. It's easy to say. There's a boatload yes. of rushing floor to Justin Fields down there in the 13th round. Yeah. Otherwise, Kirk Cousins, because you're going to have a top five pass. You have a top five pass in offense That's with Mike Zimmer. <laughs> you get you get Kevin O'Connell, Sean McVatry, modern day play calling and offensive scheming. So basically, you're going to get a more efficient offense that wants to be more vertical, not the you know eighth. Not the you know third down and eight check down the CD or to uh to CJ Ham for like six yards. Like no, you're this is going to be a top five passing offense. They have a bottom ish uh, defense that should be better, but it's not quite there. And you get two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You know, someone emerging as a flex option in KJ Osborne, a uh, Kirk Cousins. It's the quarterback that you circle. If you can get one of these Konami co quarterbacks, one quarterback I'm going after right now, and I'm looking right at him is Trevor Lawrence, because like you know he was considered that generational talent that we couldn't that you know you couldn't miss on. And last year the Jaguars were just a disaster. There was nothing they could do right, and he had no nothing around him. And then this offseason, they went on added offensive linemen, got him more weapons. They're trying to build a team to make him move forward with Doug Peterson and stuff. So I definitely like what he can do uh, going forward this year with all the weapons that he has around him now. Yeah, good call. One more note on Kirk Cousins. Last year, QB 11, year before QB 11, year before, uh, had he played all 15 games, which he did not. Uh, but if he had, he would have been the QB 13. So just outside of that QB 1 range, um, 2018 uh, QB 13. So Back in QB1, pretty relatively consistently for, for Kirk Cousins. Um, and an offensive should be more pass-happy. And he's got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, some great pass catchers. Probably would have been easier to tell you who we didn't like in that range, which basically <laughs> Deshaun Watson and Derek Carr. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good options there. Waiting on quarterbacks, absolutely the right way to go. And hopefully we still John one of those guys. I guess it's back to me now, isn't it? 
Yes. I am kind of the I am kind of hosting this. You, you do host you have stuff. Okay. Uh, let's do a beer review, and then we'll get into some of these other questions, which should be pretty rapid fire in nature. Beer review. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. You're full blown. You're full blown member now. You got to start these on occasion. I do. Stone Fear Moot the Lions. It's a hazy IPA by Stone Brewery. It comes in eight and a half percent. I'm gonna read the beer advocate. It says overall, this unfiltered double IPA is juiced up with. Was it live? M A S V. Wow, I already started that off bad. (laughs) Just keep going. (laughs) Just keep rolling, man. Put on the sack. Tropical and citrus notes. The mild bitterness and relatively dry body complement the style, and the residual maltiness nicely rounds it out. Lingering lime peel and tropical fruit derived from the hops stand out on the finish, begging one to seek out more. I do kind of see that a little bit, yeah. I do get more of the fruity taste on the back end of it than anything. I mean, it's the West Coast Brewery doing a double hazy. You're going to get, you know, the characteristics is from those uh, breweries, even when they make a beer that may not highlight those styles. Yeah, it's still citrusy on the back end, which is the way I like it. Naughty. Yeah, that's not even a real word. That M-A-S-V-E. I don't know what that is. Never seen that before in my life. And it's supposed to be mob. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Is it me? I'm just going to stare down with the easy is going to go for it. <laughs> okay. Makes That's for, fine. Makes for great podcasting. Makes for fantastic podcasting radio. I'll just go again. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> next review. <laughs> You're going to read off off of Untap next. <laughs> Start reading so Again, I am that. drinking a uh, Jefferson Reserve. This is finished in the Pritchard's uh, cast or a uh, Cabernet cast finish. As you can tell, nice, dark, rich color to it. Nose, you get uh, you get hints of the toastiness. I get a lot of the, I get a lot of the wine barrel, very very rich in fruit, uh, a bit sweet on on the nose. Um, I got a little too deep, got a little bit of ethanol, but you know it happens. <laughs> Sometimes you got to burn your fucking nostrils a little bit. Right, I'll take a sip. On the mouthfeel, it's uh, or I guess on the overall taste. Very, 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 very subtle burn. Uh, pretty much not there after a couple sips. Um, you get uh, a lot of cherry and cherry wood. You it. This is where I get more of the bourbon to it, though. I get a lot of the toasted vanilla, the toasted caramel, rich, rich milk chocolate. Um, and the after uh, taste to it, the lingeringness of it is just, it's like chocolate milk to me. It's um, very, very good. Awesome. Uh, one note on Jefferson's, by the way, before I do my, my beer review. Um, if you have had Jefferson's before and were underwhelmed by it, be it one of the Ocean's Expressions or one of the regular Expressions, every store pick I've had of Jefferson's has actually been very, very, very good. I know a lot of people are turned off by the regular Expressions, regular releases, and walk by it. Um, but if you have the chance to come into and pick up a, and you should, because they kind of sit around a little bit and they shouldn't a store pick Jefferson's 
I have yet to have a bad one or one that I was disappointed in. So that's just a note for single barrel selects of that particular label. They they tend to be very, very good, much better than the regular releases. Not always the case. All right. Uh, as a reminder, I was drinking Paul Honor's Oktoberfest. This is a Marzen version of an Oktoberfest. Um, one thing about this is that Paul Honor is, imp- is imported. So I believe, got to make sure of that because some of these guys brew over here. Yes. So Paul Honor is imported. With any beer that's imported, if you had a Heineken if you, in a bottle, not a can, completely different experience. Um, <laughs> if you've had any beer, Rolling Rock, same thing, in a bottle, not a can, completely different experience. Um, you know that these do, on the trip over, uh, lose some freshness. They pick, they, they drop a little bit. And kind of get that on this at first, too. A little light struck. Um, you know, just little off but warms up a little bit more that kind of goes away and you just get a good crisp Oktoberfest. the toastiness is absolutely there's a light sweetness that hangs around just a little bit of caramel and toffee notes to it it's got a, a very distinct breadiness hops come out to play just enough to balance out that malt flavor to it super crisp i've already poured two of them uh there's four more i'm trying to save for for this weekend but yeah, really, really good beer. Temps were a little cooler today. Glad I picked this up. Just gets me all excited for Oktoberfest season. Wanted to go with the classic, and this is a very classic example of it, aside from the fact that you know it did travel overseas. So you're always going to lose a little bit when that happens. Yeah, one day I want to get to Europe and actually, you know. Speaking of which, by the way. Drink their beer fresh. If you ever have the chance to grab a Rolling Rock or a Heineken in a can versus the green bottle, because the green bottles let more light through, do it. Because all that skunkiness is completely gone, and they're actually oh, really? really good that way. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why bottles are starting to go by the wayside, and a lot of more uh, traditional beers is because it's the technology in cans have improved yeah. so much to where they can they're lined now, so that tinniness doesn't get into the beer, which was the problem beforehand. Is you'd get some tin and some metal notes on the beer, so. Um, starting to go away from that for that reason now brown yep. bottles you won't don't pick that up quite as bad but green bottles are real bad about it which is why rolling rock and heineken are super susceptible to it because they're both green bottled so yeah and be you, mindful where you're shopping to if you're buying your beer if you're buying your bottled beer it's different stores look to where the bottles are being located in the store not not every store is going to have the cooler space are, yeah the, yeah they're not going to have the protective light so they're sitting out underneath these lights and the beer will start to skunk if if left there long enough yes it will um also pay attention to most bottles have some form of date on and pay attention to how fresh that beer is Um, because it does matter especially when you're drinking you know (laughs) more crisp beers like lagers and once you start looking for them it's a habit you pick up very quickly and And what i do constantly I, i like i like I do it to my own beer all the time. Yeah. And uh, you'll find out where you want to shop for your beer and where you don't. Sorry for our talk. No, now, now I'm really going to be searching when I like, go buy beer, my regular beer now. It's it's a, it's a really good way because, you know, especially with IPAs, I've yeah. had beer that, that was canned 15 minutes like from that time. So I've had it about as fresh as you can have it. 
And a lot of times you got to let the hops set a little bit. So I always say give IPAs a couple of weeks. They'll let everything kind of just settle. And otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of hops. There's a sweet spot on most beers, and we there could is. probably do a whole episode on that. We won't need to get into it now. Yeah, we won't get into it now. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on, uh, on the off that. season, and we probably will. And we got Ryan here, which is perfect because he he seems excited to want to learn. Maybe more we'll about take it, a so. bye week in the middle of the week when we're just fucking done with the. <laughs> we'll week do a bye week in like week six. <laughs> Not nothing too bad's happening. Only a couple injuries. You guys are fine. <laughs> All right, rapid fire. A um, couple of these should be rapid fire. So. Some would you rather some rapid fire questions. Would you rather pick at the middle or pick at the turn in a redraft league? I think middle I, is where I'm at now. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I like being in the middle because you're not really starting the trend or, or ending a trend. You're kind of just like you're coming at it. whatever best value is at you. I like the middle because I feel like I end up with a more va- balanced roster too. Yeah. And also in the later rounds, I have the ability to kind of dictate and control. And maybe if I want to go a little early on somebody, I can then at the end, if a run happens, you're just sitting there watching it, and then it's, okay, do I want to pick up the scraps? Do I want to try to start another run and go too early on somebody? It's harder to get value at the turn, in my opinion. And well, yeah, and plus like, when you're going early, you're only going early like a half a round. You're not going early a full round. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you rather have an elite tight end or have a late tight end that finishes as a mid-tight end one, that tight end six to nine range? Elite. Oh, man. The, just a point differential there between like who I mean, we be just the talked about this kind of yeah <laughs> elite, elite or late you know? our three tight ends we want and then forget it I'd rather have the late tight end because I know what I'm missing out on and what I'm potentially missing out on if I take one of the elite tight ends and while yes the point differential between those top two or three is a lot again it's two to three guys in a league and if one of them catches an injury again don't like betting on that but it's two to three guys in a league that might pull some differential and they still have to hit in other places you know i would rather give me the late round tight end that's going to balance out with the other nine teams in the league versus the guy that just completely separates me and then we'll figure it out with matchups in the playoffs yeah i know that that there's just like just getting some adp on it would i think would it's going to be a big difference but Almost always, I will fade tight ends. Mm-hmm. Even the top ones, I will almost, almost always, in traditional redraft leagues, will fade tight ends. All right, rank these three running backs because I see a lot of these three getting tossed out in either ors: Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, CMC. CMC Cook Henry. Yep, I was just gonna say the same thing, and then I burp. CMC Cook Henry. <laughs> I'm right there with you. The Dalvin Cook Derrick Henry talk. Look, Dalvin Cook catches passes, and they're about to get more pass happy. And he's a good runner. Yes, he's had some injury problems, but give me that pass-catching upside that Dalvin Cook brings and what's going to be a more pass-happy offense. And CMC, if he can put together a healthy season, is going to be a top two to three back. Give me that upside, and I just know that I'm going to have to insulate it. And they're both younger. Yes. I just want I just want pass-catchers. Yeah, that too. Yep. And, and guys that when they play, we're going to score more than 20 points a game in like, in like every single fucking game. Yes. CMC. All right, middle of the third, Michael Pittman or T. Higgins? Oh, God. That's Jesus. Give me Pittman. Give me the wide receiver one oh. on a team um, that should be better at passing the football. 
It's barely over Higgins, but Higgins had a little bit of, look, as a T. Higgins manager, T. Higgins had a little bit of inconsistency last year with Jamar Chase. It was just some damn touchdowns, man. He went through that like six or seven week stretch. Right. He didn't score a touchdown. And then he scored like, you know, three or four weeks in a row and it was right back to where he should be. A little disappointed there sometimes with T. Higgins. Not always. There's just a little bit more boom bust there than you're going to get it on Michael Pittman. That's still Pittman, but it's very close. I've been, I've been loving, I've been loving the T Higgins. Their ADP is the same, so yeah, it's uh, I'll lean Pittman for improvement at quarterback, and he was one of the most efficient receivers against both man and zone last year. Like it should only get better for him in an offense that should be significantly better than last year, at least more consistent than last year. Especially with the quarterback upgrade. Yeah, you Pittman too, Ryan. Yeah, right, we're gonna start this one. Uh, Deontay Johnson or DJ Moore in the middle of the fourth? Give me DJ, DJ Moore. You got Baker Mayfield now. The Baker Mayfield stand account is going full spin right now. <laughs> I'm not. He's going to make DJ Moore the the better wide receiver and he's going to score over four touchdowns. Give me DJ Moore just because he's been very, very good with bad quarterbacks the last couple of years, let alone, you know, regardless of what happens with Baker Mayfield, we know he can absolutely do it. Um, Deontay Johnson's going from Ben, who was not good, but it, it, early signs on Mitch also aren't aren't good. And it's more of a run favoring team. It's early signs in all three of their quarterbacks. The fact that that Pickett is struggling to overtake Mason Rudolph is it's uh, early. It's still early. Yeah, we got it's basic fucking Rudolph, bit. bro. It's just the answer is DJ Moore, though. Yes, yeah. I think it's more coach speak though on the whole Kenny Pickett thing. Yeah, just kind of. Oh, I mean, like, boost it motivate up. him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Preseason guys. games are starting on Thursday. We'll find out. <laughs> like, I still don't want to really out there, but it's fine. Yep. Uh, middle of six: Adam Thielen, Jerry Judy, or Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, Judy, Judy. <laughs> I've turned uh, Alan. Ro- I am. Al- oh my God. Are you going? Right, Alan Robinson? You're going to Al Robinson with me. Am, are we on the same team? I am Robinson. Oh. Judy Thielen. Yeah. I have Judy and Robinson are very, very, it's are very sixth, close. It's the sixth round. We don't hate players. We hate ADP. Alan Robinson was not a alpha. He doesn't have to be. He's on a team with Cooper cup. Now he's a two. He's a beta. And guess what? He's going to be damn good at that role with a damn good quarterback. Not, Having to be whatever you had, the only guy he's had before. Yeah. 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 I like Jerry I'll... Judy too because of the locket roll with Wilson. And I like Adam Thielen if he can stay healthy, given what I think Minnesota's offense is going to be the biggest takeaway here. Middle six is a great place to grab a wide receiver too. Oh, yeah. Got three if you're going hero. Or three. I'm, I'm doing a lot of hero RB. It's going to be a lot of these guys are going to be my wide receiver three, four, five. Be great. There ain't a damn thing wrong with that. I am gonna. I will walk out of most drafts with one of these three. Yeah, it's not both. But not I two. like Robinson the most. All right, rapid fires. More from around more. the internet. Oh, this is another kind of a thing. Question that I found online. I have the four spot in full PPR. Am I crazy for thinking Najee there? Are you crazy? No. Should you do it? No, no. no. Also, no. You're not crazy. You can certainly spin the narrative for Najee Harris to be the fourth overall pick. But I'd rather take Jefferson or Chase. Or Cup. Or Cup. 
Yeah. Or just Eckler. give me one of those guys that slips. It'll be CMC, yeah. JT, yeah. Justin Jefferson, uh, Cup, or Jamar Chase. Just pick your poison. You're yep. going to be just fine. All right. Taylor goes one. Who's the best option at two? Is it CMC or do you go wide receiver? CMC. I go number CMC. One He's number one for me. So, yeah. You know that answer. <laughs> okay. We'll get to more of that in a minute. Um, you guys are convincing me CMC, but I tend to want to go the safer route with a Jefferson with a J Jeff, who I have over Chase, by the way. What about Austin Eckler? Eckler? Eckler, you could also make the case for. I have never been huge on Austin Eckler just because of he has a long history of not fluky injuries of soft tissue issues. Well, uh, that was twenty twenty was uh, like his big like he's had a flyer. He's had more than that, but um. I, I like Eckler. I don't think I like Eckler to be a, the two. I think I like him more in the middle of the first. It's, it's the also fact that he's thing. not going to get. It, it's he he he's not set up to get that two fifty two seventy five three hundred touch range. He is no. A, he's going to be in the low he's twos. in the low two hundreds, which is fine because he's hyper efficient and a great oh, offense. Super but yes, you'd need those guys to continue to be that efficient if they're not going to get the touches. Eckler's closer to that mix in. Cook type of range than he is the top tier for me. Okay, full PPR snake picking at the turn. Are you going running back, running back, or running back wide receiver? Um, my take on this is you're approaching it wrong if that's the way you're thinking. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You're going whoever the best two are available at the turn. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then it could be two running backs. It could, could be, be running back a wide receiver. Could be wide receiver, wide receiver. Yeah, it could even be wide receiver, wide receiver. You can get saucy and go Travis Kelsey there, who's going to finish as a wide receiver one, probably based yeah. on its points. Right. Oh yeah. Good. You you can. I say good. There is a yeah, lot you could do there, but if you're and I see a lot of this. This is a huge yeah. mistake. I saw a lot of this online. Huge mistake. Do not think of it in terms of positions. This is why you create tiers. This is where why you draft based on tiers, and this is why you blend tiers. This is why you don't just have running back rankings or wide receiver rankings. This is why you say, I value these guys the same, and you tier up Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase with uh, Jonathan Taylor and um, Christian McCaffrey, right? This is why you do that. So you have an idea of where the value is regardless of position. Do not draft positions until the mid rounds. And even then, like the, f- the further you will are take care away of from the start of the, yeah, like the further you are away from the beginning of the season, the less you should care about bye weeks positional and just just know that you have a lot of time. People on to, the same team. Yeah. Like that's all mistakes people fall into look at individual player value and figure it out based on that based on tears absolutely just pass on javante williams in the second round still yes, yes. Guy, he's going way too he's early, got huge so. upside but he needs a melvin gordon injury to to reach that and yeah because uh, right now they're both has been very counts. stable yeah. yeah so just this was kind of the quintessential problem but there was a lot of this a lot of people that know their draft position they're like all right what position do i draft don't think oh, yeah, yeah. Not, i never draft like that yeah uh, well and here's the thing we were told a little bit ago you weren't with us when we heard this what's obvious to us isn't obvious to the casual fantasy player 
because we live in it. We talk about it every day. We have conversations about it every day. We know it. The casual guy that's joining his office league that's tuning into podcasts this time of year to just figure out what to do and what the experts are saying ahead of his draft, try to win that league, doesn't. Those are the guys that are posting these questions. Those are the guys that are thinking about it in terms of what position do I draft. It's obvious to us that have been playing the analyst game for years now. It's not obvious necessarily to the common casual player that really jumps in this time of season. That's why it's worth talking about. You do not draft positions. Nope. CeeDee Lamb, a first-round pick. Starting to push that way, but I don't think so. Probably I think he's actually second round. Yeah, I think yeah. he's uh, he's right on that fringe. Mid to high second, I think it's fine. It, it depends how many receivers I think you want to look at taking over him. And compared to what we would normally see is what, five to six running backs go, if not more. You throw in Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Diggs, Adams. So right now, Daniel. yeah, right now your first round is Taylor McCaffrey. Cup, Henry Eckler, Jefferson, Harris Cook, Chase, Mixon, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Swift, and then you get into to Diggs. And I think, right, if you wanted to take him not ahead of Adams, but I think you could make the argument to go ahead of or right with Diggs there at the early part. So, And I think you could also make the argument for a Najee Harris or a Joe Mixon to go early in the second. So there's a scenario. I think CeeDee Lamb limbs right on that fringe of back of the first, early second. Yep. It's, re- it's really based on whether or not you believe that he can take the next step and kind of really command that target share. Hopefully play outside more. It's all about because he's he's set in that twenty percent range. Yeah, they're whether or not he can now jump and move up. Yeah, and, and I think they're putting more in the slot too right now. They he's, do. He can. He primarily plays in the slot, and they're gonna throw in the league. Yeah, and they're gonna throw. So yes, you could make that argument. I don't say I don't want to say he's firm there. To me, he's anywhere between back of the first early second, but you can certainly make the argument. Who is a usual consensus first rounder that you are avoiding this year at all costs? <laughs> Derrick Henry. Henry. <laughs> like, I think that's the most the most consensus we've ever been on. Yeah, I mean, we don't hate Derrick Henry. We just hate his ADP. I don't hate Derrick Henry. People, I don't hate any player. I just hate their ADPs. <laughs> people are drafting Derrick Henry without adjusting for anything that's happened with Derrick Henry's situation. They're not adjusting for the foot injury. They're not adjusting for the offensive line. They're not adjusting for the offense. And offensive efficiency, um, yeah, that's Ooh. that's the issue with Derrick Henry right now is that people are just expecting him to be elite and not taking anything that's changed for Derrick Henry into account. It's not like he's it, way off. It's a half-round difference from where it'd be like, yeah, Derrick Henry's fine. If you want Derrick Henry to go so bad, just wait him. and draft Nick Chubb. Actually, I was saying just wait and draft Saquon Barkley. Wait and oh god, he's Barkley's got more. Do, do not besmirk Barkley you, you, with the guy who has passes. You want that league? I want that league winning upside. You're sent, I'd rather wait till the second. Well, sure, round I'll no, take Derek. Yeah, your yeah, yeah. your sentiment is right. The player comparison is not, but the yeah. sentiment. Is oh right. yeah, no, he's he's Nick Chubb. That's like if you want second round a uh, Derek Henry, just, just I, draft Nick I Chubb, which I don't want Dan, either. So. I understand where Dan's coming from based on comparing the type of player. I understand where you're coming from based on. 
wait because Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley is a much better value. Yeah, given the upside. All right, um, last one. Earliest you would take CMC <laughs> this year after last year's injuries, and this is where I drop. I've been quiet on CMC while you two have both been one hundred two, one hundred two. I he's my he's always been my one hundred one. I would actually take, I would still take Jefferson over JT too. So you wow. take CMC over JT? Yeah, I've I've been in that camp the whole off season. We hmm. we talked about this I think like two months ago, and I was did we argue about it? I mean, you can, I mean, at that point, he was your one hundred two. So the argument was, it was just, what's the difference? Yeah, um, like they're not in different tiers. So, so the, you're just, you're, yeah. I don't want the one hundred two. Is where I'm at this year. I want, I want probably the one hundred five, one hundred six. Yeah. I, I probably want the one hundred five ish. My problem is I don't want the 102 because I don't feel right taking one of the wide receivers at 102, and I don't like any of the running backs enough to take them 102. The question is, where am I comfortable taking Christian McCaffrey? Mm, Probably 105. And there are some leagues where he will fall there because of the injury situations the last two years. I still very much believe in the upside. I don't want to ignore the fact that there's been two injury-riddled seasons now. And that the offense is just probably not going to be that good. I love Christian McCaffrey. The upside is huge. I understand that. I'm looking for a value based on the injuries with him, though. Now, if I'm at the 102, I guess I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. But the key word there is where am I comfortable? I'm not going to feel great about it because I'm not going to feel great about whatever I have to do at the 102 doesn't matter who it is. I'm not going to feel good about it because I'm going to feel like I reached for one of the wide receivers or I took a running back I fully didn't believe in at that position. I mean, it's the same argument with like with even JT at one. What does JT do that makes you feel comfortable taking him at 101 over well, anybody else? For one, he's played games the last two seasons. Okay, he's also <laughs> so running that's... back where like, you know, 40% of the position gets hurt. So, he is. again, I... I'm aiming for, and he's played his five straight seasons dating back to college. I've seen nearly 300 touches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm not going back to that bullshit statement on Twitter, <laughs> but if we're basing off of injury prone, based off of what, and the amount of touches a player could see, JT's in the same camp as I'm, these other guys. He's just gotten a little bit lucky. Then. I'm basing it historically and sure. Give me luck. But historically what we've seen with backs is we can pretty reliably predict that Dalvin Cook's going to miss a couple games of soft tissue issue. One to two. Austin Eckler. We'll miss one to two games. There are certain things that while we say don't predict injuries, you can pretty much bank on. Now, you could probably say that with most running backs. They're going to miss one to two games. But when I look at the last two years, I don't, I think it was Saquon too, and it's why Saquon's a value, right? Yeah. Saquon's had two seasons where he is discounted because of injury. Well, then and when he's played, he he's also not When he's great. played, he hasn't looked like, the thing about McCaffrey is, is when that played, every he's time good. he's played, he's 25. It's insane what he do. On the same type of offense, his offenses he's played on have never really been that good. You got to play. Torres can't. Yeah, it's just it's, he's been insane. And it's important to note, I'm not saying I wouldn't take McCaffrey I, I, 102. I, I, I'm saying I wouldn't feel great about it because it's going to be in the back of my mind of, ah, shit, this could be a wasted pick if this turns out anything like the last two seasons did. Or this pick could really not return value. And this is the thing. I talk a lot about value. I talk a lot about liking my draft picks to exceed their value. Nobody 
in the first round is going to exceed first round value because you can't. No. So I, I want to feel yeah. very confident that that player is going to produce recency bias. I'm not going to hide from it. Recency bias is going to come into play, and that's going to make me more comfortable with Jonathan Taylor because he's been and, the guy and, the last two seasons. And that's been and that's been the consensus is because these guys are like he's been he's been able to avoid getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 great, and he's done this dating back to Wisconsin, and it, it's I've like zero issue. Yeah. Like I I want my top I want like my tier one between both backs and receivers is those two plus a uh, cup, Chase and Jefferson. Yes, I just want one of them. I don't care who it is because I know what I'm getting is league winning upside at that position. That even though I'm spending I'm spending a top first round pick on them. That there's still a value, and that, Cooper Cup in the first round last year would have still been a value for what he did because he outperformed the next closest wide receiver by seven points yeah, a game. It, it's insane, and that's what a guy like Jefferson and Chase and Cup could do again. That's what CMC can do, and if Jonathan Taylor can just get the target volume, we know he's a good pass catcher. If he can just yeah. get the target volume, and he'll I'm be not, there too. And I'm not even arguing with you about the tier. I'm just arguing with you about how I'd have that tier organized. That, yeah, that's, and, and that's, that's literally that's, where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, sorry. You go. I'm Ron Burgundy. No, I mean like, like beer reviews again. I have nothing else to say. It's no, good. I mean like, like I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. And like he has that weak winning upside and alone just in himself. So I can see justify taking him as high as one on one because he can give you a 30, 40 point game. <laughs> it's just so casual 30 40 point game hey but so yeah. can saquon barkley and i can get him two I, exactly. rounds later <laughs> so. you can get both exactly you, get you both. can have both and that's gonna that's go a, really so well incredible. for you or that's gonna go really badly for you i mean they're finishing first place i or guess not barkley's first up place. to the 207 yeah. so <laughs> yeah but still, you're finishing you first or you're, you're, you're first finishing first or you're pulling your hair out in hey, week four if you ain't first you're last that's that, right. that is the full you ain't first your last approach is going CMC and Barkley with your first two picks. That 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 I, I would be that so fucking happy though. High risk, high reward. Yeah. I love it. All right. That's the show. We Ooh, we, right. we ended on a good note. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh Beerfield on Twitter, Beerfield Podcast on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, I'm at Beerfield Hop. Uh, Dan is at Beerfield Thurry. Ryan is at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. FFFaceoff.com uh, are friendly partners in this ordeal. Um, really got to get ourselves in that podcast stream as soon as I stop being at work all the time. Yeah. And can talk to Anthony. So and work outside. Yeah. I don't work outside. I just work a lot so anyway uh we'll be back next week to talk about something that we'll probably decide an hour before the show so thank you have a good weekend enjoy some preseason football uh we'll probably do some key takeaways on that maybe i don't know let's So close to going a whole episode without screwing up, and then I hit the intro for the outro. <laughs> so close. 
so close.